Welcome back to the hum and the holler and to our new adventure through the fables of 2022's calendar, Beloved Stranger. I love that we're still calling it our new adventure, even though it is indeed April. It's still, we were talking before we started recording about how it feels like it's still February or January. Yeah, not April. Even though it's 80 degrees here today. Who knows, really? Not ready for us to be this deep into the year yet. (laughs) So yes, hi, welcome. These fables are published on our website on the first of every month. And then we read them aloud on this podcast and we talk a bit about what's coming up for us in this part of the story. And these fables, just so you know, the ones we publish on the website are appropriate for all ages, but these podcasts might not be. We swear, we get into adult topics sometimes, so you might want to screen them before sharing them with the youngsters in your life. Totally. And on the topic of sharing, we are inviting you to share with us this year, if you would be so brave. Uh, You can go to our website, which is abacuscorvus.com slash podcast and find all of the details and instructions and a link to leave us a voice message. There's also going to be a list of themes that can be prompts for what you share, uh, but really share what's coming up in response to what we're talking about, and we'd love to hear it. You can also check out The Hum on the same feed, which is our bonus monthly astrology podcast that Karina does, and it's so incredible. And you can look for the next one on April 29th, just in time for the Taurus new moon on April 30th. We are so glad you're joining us for these conversations. We are Abacus Corvus, and I'm Karina Joss. I am living on Lenny Lenape land, also known as Philadelphia. And I'm Joe, and I am alive in the hills of Madison County in western North Carolina on stolen Cherokee land. Huge, huge thanks to all our Patreon supporters. We got a couple new ones this last month. Thank you so much. We are so grateful for you and your support. Indeed. And this month, we are on chapter four, because we're in the fourth month of the year somehow already. So, Joe, do you want to read this to us? I do. Crow awoke to the sound of cawing from branch to branch, from forest floor to treetop. But instead of the confused cacophony of the night, this time the crows were all saying the same thing. War! 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 Time to go to war! She saw grim determination on the faces of her siblings, her cousins, her parents and grandparents, her great-grandparents, her cousins twice removed. Young and old, they looked and sounded serious. Her heart sank. She wanted to burrow into her nest and never come out again. But there in her nest was the mysterious rock, irritating her and reminding her that hiding wasn't really an option. She knew she had to do something. Was it too late to stop this? She flew down into the center of the gathering, flapped her wings and cleared her throat dramatically. She cawed, nervous but strong, Dear crows, my family, I might have been mistaken about the owls. But the war chants carried on. Those who took note of her merely said, Oh no, you did the right thing. Who else could be to blame except the owls? No one was listening. 
Getting desperate, Crow tried a different tactic. My people, I had another dream last night, she called loudly. It told me I had to go to the mountain. I must ask the mountain itself for help interpreting my first dream. This isn't about owls at all. Some crows cock their heads because crows are always interested in dreams. But the second half of Crow's story got lost in the general din. Go to the mountain, a few asked, though. Why would you go to the mountain? Nothing good comes from the mountain. Isn't that where the owls live? You can't go to the mountain alone. Sending one crow to fight the owls is too dangerous. We need to attack together. But it could be useful to send a crow not to fight, but to spy. Let's see how many owls we're up against. Crow, desperate for any delay, agreed. Yes, she called. I volunteer to go alone as a spy to the mountain to see what we're up against. The other crows agreed, with some younger crows swooping from branch to branch around Crow to cheer her bravery. But Crow didn't feel brave. She was afraid of leaving her family, of setting off alone, and she was afraid of encountering owls along the way, and she was afraid of the mountain itself. And she was still afraid of that rock in her nest, Things were just getting worse and worse, and none of it made any sense. But at least her family had agreed to wait until she returned with news before planning an attack. Crow said her goodbyes and took to the air, flying north and out of the forest, higher and higher, until she reached the hard landscape where trees didn't even grow. Thank you so much for reading, Joe. And I'm curious, after re-engaging with this chapter, what strikes you most? Yeah, it's somehow not what I was expecting to be struck by. Oh, tell me. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how something like this has certainly never happened to our crow before. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm aware that that our main character has probably gone through, you know, ups and downs or easy to find food, hard to find food, family getting along, family not getting along, pests, no pests. I mean, <laughs> just like these sort of normal-ish ups and downs of life. And and now here she is like having started the beginning of a war and then having to go all by herself on this completely new journey experience in order to stop it. I I'm, I'm, guess I'm just kind of sitting with like how epic that's got to be <laughs> for, for a little, a little being who, who still just has no idea what's happened to her and why this is happening. There's been no pause. There's been no way of knowing yet how she feels other than just like dread, fear, confusion, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm struck by something similar, which is how much Crow doesn't want change and how much right. she can't stop the changes. That everything she tries to do to return her world to normal, to to a world in which she does not have a mysterious rock in her nest, or at least someone has given her mm -hmm. a reasonable explanation for how it got there and 
that it's okay somehow, um, that everything she has been doing to try to come back to a state of calm and normalcy is merely escalating the crisis. And uh-huh. that as the story ends, I'm, I was really struck by how she flies away and she's, she's leaving the trees. And just like you, mm-hmm. I was imagining, I was wondering, is this the first time Crow's ever left the forest even? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the themes on our website, as we were writing these, we pulled yeah. out some themes that we thought would be interesting to talk about chapter by chapter. And this chapter actually got a little rearranged. We ended up stretching it out and moving some things to the previous chapter. So the theme that we have on the website, which is this kind of us against them and the sense of belonging and who who's in and who's out and what do you do in, in groups when the group turns against someone on the outside, all of that I feel like we really tapped into last week, or I'm sorry, last month. Do you, do you feel that that's true, Joe? Yeah, it's the closest thing in what we're doing that resonates with that theme was last month. Right. And so despite having that on our website as the theme to talk about this month, I think we want to bring in a new theme and just shake it up a bit. And Joe, you've been calling this incidental courage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to yeah, tell me a bit I about mean, that? There's the courage that we know, kind of the, invi- well, it's funny, incidental and invisible. There's there's an invisible courage mm. that nobody sees except the reader as Crow actually gets out of her nest and goes and tries to stop what's happening. But then there's this incidental uh-huh. courage, which is just having to grab on to a completely unexpected opening somebody else's idea. Well, maybe you could go by yourself to do this. And it's like, yes. And I have this feeling that like the yes comes um, much faster than her understanding of even what she's just said yes to. Totally. Yes. So incidental courage being, I have accidentally signed up (laughs) for something I would never have chosen, but I'm not going to back down because the alternative is exactly. That, exactly. That kind of and then like, holy <laughs> yeah. shit, what yeah. am I, what am I doing? Well, I feel like this segues us nicely into the part of the podcast where we just try on the point of view of the crow somatically, emotionally yeah. get into this moment of yeah, the story. Yeah, let's do it. So Joe, when you put yourself into crow's experience in this chapter of the story, what do you feel? What's happening for you? Uh, the the first things that are coming to mind are just like hectic, fast, desperate, hectic, fast, desperate. But that's like, so what I'm feeling when I put myself in her place is a really different vibe between how I feel when I'm in my nest and by myself and how I feel when I'm with my family. And there's this heaviness and dread and worry and kind of dark and heavy feeling when I'm alone and when I'm in my nest. But when I'm with my family, it is, it is hectic. It is desperate. They are all riled up. They're all ramped up. And I, and I need to somehow meet them there in order to get anybody's attention. And yeah. And then as soon as 
as soon as I've been able to do a thing or as soon as something changes and I'm alone again, it's like the weight of that big rock is just like on my body, on my chest. And I guess it's, it's, it's that, that I'm still holding this alone feeling is what I get Mm. when I'm in her, when I'm in her body and in Mm -hmm. her place. What about you, Karina? What happens when you put yourself in Crow's body place? Yeah, I'm similarly struck by that feeling of aloneness, but I think where I go with this is we're coming out of a chapter where she's entirely group identified, where she where she thinks to herself, oh, I'm going to find my people, I'm going to find my family. And even in this chapter, she keeps saying my people, my family, she's she's still thinking of herself as part of the multitude, even as her experiences mm-hmm. and her uh, uh, values, fears, anxieties, mm-hmm. whatever it is that's happening internally is setting her off on a different course than the rest of her crew. And so mm-hmm. it's not just a feeling of I'm alone, but it's a feeling of, oh, I am suddenly different than the ones I'm used to being the same with. And if you look at the image for this month, there is this very up close paranoia kind of like everyone kind of watching out and like it's it's sort of comical and it's also a little alarming. And the faces, you know, crows to to humans, crows look very much alike. And yet in this image you can see them as as distinct, you know, that one of them's faces mm-hmm. is different than the other one's face is different than the other one's face, right? And So I think there's something about moving from the safety of sameness, moving from the safety of, Mm. oh, I'm just one of these guys and we just do this thing. This is how we are toward, I somehow have to leave my crew, my, my, my family. I somehow have to move out of the world that has shaped me and the identities that I have known. And Mm -hmm. like you said, like, you know, we were talking about in the drosh, I don't think Crow realizes this. I don't, I don't think Mm-mm. she has any idea what she's moving toward as she volunteers to uh, take this solo totally. spy mission to the mountain. Yeah, I appreciate that because I think another layer of what I noticed with this chapter is that I, I actually feel very different as a reader than I mm. do when I put myself into her position because as a reader, I'm excited and relieved and have this sense of... Um, this is the part in any story where all the good stuff starts <laughs> right, to happen. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. Right? And put myself in in her place, and it's like, uh, that's not at all what's visible mm-hmm. or on her mind. Mm-hmm. Is like, oh, good, this is when the good stuff's going to happen. This is when it gets interesting. Yeah, you no, know? not at all. This is more just a, wait, what? But, <laughs> wait, now what? This is hap- now oh, I have shit. to do what? Yeah. yeah. So we're at this part of the story where Crow is making this incidentally courageous leap toward the unknown, away from family, away from group identity. And I'm curious, Joe, do you have a feeling about what's coming next as, as a reader and not a writer? Mm-hmm. I feel nervous and excited about what's coming next. I'm noticing, I feel a little protective of our little friend 
And I'm hoping <laughs> as she leaves the forest, perhaps for the first time and is away from her people, you know, and experiencing herself in a new place. I'm, I'm finding myself hoping that the, the wilderness is not too rough on her. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm -hmm. Well, my friends, that is it for the podcast this month. We thank you so much for coming along and a few things to just wrap up. You can follow us on Instagram at Abacus Corvus, where you will see some sneak peeks of our 2023 calendar in progress, which we are very excited about. We are returning to spells. They are, they are no longer small spells. Their size is TBA, honestly. Mm -hmm. They're shapeshifter. Wait, TBA, shapeshifter. TBD. Is to it be TBD? announced. To be announced. To be decided. Another exciting piece of new information in our world is that we have launched our own web store. It is available on our website, which is abacuscorvus.com slash store. And it is also shoppable on Facebook and Instagram. And we have been wanting to do this for a while, but part of the push behind it was the Etsy strike that was just happening this past week. And you can read all about that and take action and do wonderful things at etsystrike.org. But the last thing we just want to say about that is considering Etsy is such a popular marketplace for people who do their own handmade art and goods, it could be pretty righteous to do a little bit of legwork and see if you can buy directly from artists and makers rather than going through Etsy if that's available to you. Some people are only available through Etsy and hopefully we can keep supporting them and not have Etsy being bad hurt their business as well. I also just want to say how exciting it is for me that there is a strike amongst independent makers, even in, in the sort of ad hoc way we found out about it, it is so hard to collectivize precarious at-home work. And I've been thinking a lot about this ever since this became mostly what I do for a living, um, partially because of my life circumstances, because of being um, invisibly disabled. So I, I moved towards Etsy as a huge source of my income in about 2010 when I could no longer work house cleaning jobs. I was like, I've got to figure mm -hmm. out a way to work from home. And there are so many other people in that situation right now who have children, mm -hmm. who have disabilities, who have a variety of reasons that they, they are tied to the home in certain ways that making things from home is That's right. a huge um, source of income for them. And Etsy and platforms like Etsy are so predatory. So um, I was excited to see mm -hmm. this happen. I hope more things like this proliferate and... I just want to repeat my sister and say, please, please, please support, support the people making the beautiful things directly if you can. And I have a final question for you, Joe. Oh, for me? Yeah. Okay. I love questions. If you were to find a rock in your nest, how would you react? Hello, little friend. <laughs>